It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, guys? Bill Rossetti back with you guys here on another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, Wednesday, April 29th. Hope you guys have been having yourselves a good week. We are just rolling along here, kind of still recapping the draft a little bit here. Actually, what I want to do today, first I want to touch on the jersey numbers that were unveiled to the Carolina Panthers and the the draft picks. Um, so run through those and then some of the notes from the the posting that the website had because there's some interesting notes on uh, the last players to wear these picks or wear these numbers rather. And uh, they doled out some numbers that have some pretty good meaning and some pretty good players behind them. So hopefully that brings a little bit of luck to this draft class. So I want to do that. And then I want to kind of run through the draft picks from the rest of the NFC South because, you know, kind of give, give us a chance to see where the Panthers kind of stand, how the other teams improved their rosters and kind of reset things a little bit here in the NFC South and where the Panthers kind of stack up. So to start things off, like I said, uh, the Panthers announced the jersey numbers yesterday for the 2020 draft class. And one of the one of the first notes that uh, that pops up when you run through these numbers is uh, they wrote that this is only the third time in franchise history that the Panthers' first two draft picks will have numbers in the 90s. And in fact, three of the numbers that they gave out have been worn by players that ranked number two, number three, and number four on the list of Carolina's all-time sacks leader. So those numbers start with number 95. That is the number that Derrick Brown will wear for the Panthers. Uh, 95, of course, is... Most notable with Charles Johnson, who, of course, played 10 years with the Panthers and is second on the all-time franchise list with 67 and a half sacks. And it's pretty close to Derek's numbers. A pretty, pretty easy shot there because Brown, of course, wore number five while at Auburn. So he's simply just going to add the number nine to the front of it. So he'll have 95. Their first second-round pick, of course, was Yitor Gross Matos, the defensive end out of Penn State. He wore uh, 99 in college, but he will now wear number 97 in the pros. That number, of course, was previously worn by Mario Addison, who played from, of course, 2012 to 2019, had 55 career sacks for the Panthers. That is fourth all-time on the sack list. And number three on the franchise sack list, of course, is former number 93, Mike Rucker. His number, or at least that number, 93, that will be worn by the Panthers' sixth-round selection, defensive tackle Bravion Roy. 93 was previously worn by Kyle Love, but again, is most associated with Mike Rucker, played from 99 to 2007. Played in 106 games, third on the franchise list in tackles. So hopefully that gives this draft class a little bit of luck. I mean, they're able to wear numbers that some of the Panthers' greats have worn previously. So here's hoping that uh, 
the competitiveness and, and the good luck that was bestowed on guys like Mike Rucker and Charles Johnson and them come down on some of these defensive linemen. So you never know. Some we all like to. Some people like to make fun and, and play around with with the jersey numbers. Whether or not that makes a player look better or just sound better, I don't know. But um, at least we have that that bit of an association with the players and and the numbers. Uh, moving down the list, Jeremy Chin will wear number 21 for the Panthers. Uh, Ken Lucas and Dante Wesley previously wore numbers, um, but you, they argue that 21 is still most likely associated with Tim Biakabutuka, who, of course, was the Panthers' first-round pick in 1996, the running back out of Michigan who spent six years with the Panthers. So 21, that's simply just adding the number one to the end of Chin's college number. He wore number two at Southern Illinois. He'll now wear 21 with the Panthers. Cornerback Troy Pride Jr., their fourth-round pick, he wore numbers 18 and 5 at Notre Dame. So he'll basically just take that five and insert the two in front of it. He'll wear number 25. Uh, 25, of course, was previously worn by Eric Reed. Uh, it was also w- worn by cornerback Eric Davis, who had 25 interceptions from 1996 through 2000. So uh, some good history uh, with the Panthers for the number 25. So hopefully that's good luck there for Troy Pride. Uh, Kenny Robinson, of course, the former XFL star, and the former West Virginia Mountaineer. He wore number two at West Virginia, and he wore number 23 while with the St. Louis Battlehawks. He'll now wear number 27 for the Carolina Panthers, recently worn by Kayvon Seymour. Um, The number is also probably more associated or most associated with safety Dion Grant, who started every game from 2001 to 2003 and made 11 interceptions during those three years while wearing the number 27 and we know we've talked about Kenny Robinson a bit we know he has real good ball skills he showed that at West Virginia and he showed it at uh in the XFL so uh at least with the lineage of the number here's hoping that 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 good streak with the, with the number just continues on with Kenny Robinson but he's a guy again we've talked about that uh, I really like his potential. We knew he was a really good player. Uh, his draft stock obviously was affected by the fact that he had some academic fraud that was brought up a little bit, and that was the reason why he left West Virginia and had to go. Ended up joining the XFL, and of course, the XFL got shut down because of the coronavirus. So he was only able to play five games there. So not as much film to work with uh, as some of these other prospects, but. The potential is there. The traits are there. Uh, so you're really excited to see what a guy like Kenny Robinson can bring to this Panthers secondary. Uh, we talked about Bravion Roy wearing number 93. And then rounding out the draft class, of course, was seventh-round pick Stanley Thomas Oliver III, the cornerback out of Florida International. He'll go from wearing 21 with those Panthers to number 23 with these Panthers. Uh, they note that the last player to start a game wearing the number 23 was Melvin White back in 2014. Uh, the most notable name that they mentioned with this number was cornerback Ken Lucas, 
who had the number during the team's 2005 playoff run before switching to number 21 for the final three years of his career with the Panthers from 06 to 2008. So, again, quick recap. So it's Derek Brown will wear number 95. Yitor Grossmatos will wear 97. Jeremy Chin, 21. Troy Pride, 25. Kenny Robinson, 27. Bravion Roy, 93. And Thomas Oliver, 23. So those are your rookie jersey numbers for the draft class. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So as we move on now, like I said, I want to touch on some of the other draft classes here and then kind of see how the Panthers kind of stack up a little bit. So we'll start with the Atlanta Falcons here. Falcons, of course, had a little bit of surprise in round one when they took A.J. Terrell, the cornerback, out of Clemson. You know, at, at first I was a little surprised just because I didn't think he would go so high, but then I realized that there were some mock drafts that did have Terrell go con- kind of going around this point. There was some talk that the Raiders wanted him at 19, so kind of makes sense that the Falcons took him here at 16. He certainly wasn't going to be there, I don't think at uh, their second-round spot at 47. And he he seems to fit what the Panthers want to do, and we know that was definitely one of their biggest holes after losing Desmond Trufant. So they certainly fill that spot up uh, with, with, with Terrell. Second round, they uh, they went to the Auburn pool, of course, joining or taking one of Derek Brown's buddies on the D-line, Marlon Davidson. Uh, the Panthers, or excuse me, the Falcons definitely needed some help there on the defensive line. They needed somebody opposite Grady Jarrett, and Davidson is one of those guys, of course, that can go all around the defensive line. So good job by the Falcons kind of addressing two of their biggest needs on defense. I mean, they had a, you know, a bunch of holes, I think, on defense, but you could argue that corner and D-line were certainly two of the biggest, and they attacked them right away in the, in the first two rounds. Then in round three, of course, they took one of the guys that I – that I had pegged as uh, a very logical Panthers selection, a guy I was, you know, certainly kind of hoping the Panthers would land and it make sense because of the Temple connection. But the Falcons grabbed him at number seventy-eight overall, and that was Matt Hennessy, the center out of Temple. You know, he can play guard a little bit, so he can help with those spots, and of course, add uh, a very, very good backup to Alex Mack at the center position. Round four, they went with Michael Walker, the linebacker out of Fresno State. Uh, Certainly needed help at the linebacker spot. Uh, Walker, I think, had some injury issues, which helped him, or which was the reason why he he dropped a little bit. But in the fourth round, you know, pretty solid value, and he's a really good tackler, and he can give you some special teams value, I think, as well. Uh, Also in the fourth round, they went with Jalen Hawkins, the safety out of California. And then round seven, it was 
the punter. That's right. They were one of the teams that took a punter in the draft. Number 228 overall, Sterling Hofrichter out of Syracuse. So in the early spots, you know, I thought the Falcons did a nice job kind of uh, attacking what they needed, you know, getting some pieces here and there to, you know, especially build the defense up. I mean, uh, four of their first five draft picks were all on the defensive side of the football. And it makes a lot of sense because we know uh, the Falcons coaches are right on the chopping block. The, that second half surge saved Dan Quinn's job for 2020, but I don't think there's going to be any more chances. If this defense fails, Dan Quinn is going to be out. I think this is his last shot. So, you know, they they went out, they filled holes where they needed to in the defense, and um, as long as the injury bug stays away from Atlanta, we kind of expect them to be a competitive team. You know, is the uh, is the second half surge from last year going to carry over to this season, or are they going to be more like kind of how they were in the first half of the season? So injuries will certainly be a factor, and uh, certainly the play of Matt Ryan and that offense, but at least they... You know, got some needed pieces on defense after losing some guys in free agency, like uh, Devondre Campbell, who's now with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they got some depth at the safety position, and then again with Terrell, you basically replace uh, the loss of Desmond Trufant, who's now with the Detroit Lions. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, who of course just made news by officially signing Jameis Winston to only about a a uh, little over a million dollar deal, which I think is really good value. You know, we we bashed on Jameis Winston a lot, but uh, for only a million dollars, you can do a lot worse as a backup quarterback. Uh, this, but the Saints only ended up with four draft picks in this class because remember they were trading. Uh, you know, they traded a bunch of picks. Uh, so, in fact, they went into day three without a single draft pick on day three, but they ended up. Uh, shipping a shipping a 2021 draft pick to the Texans to get back into the seventh round. So their first round pick, of course, was Caesar uh, Caesar Ruiz out of Michigan at 24 overall. And you know we didn't really think they'd target offensive line in the first round, but I tell you what, the Saints got themselves. You know this is obviously about still protecting Drew Brees and knowing that. That championship window is closing with Breeze. And now if you're the Saints, if you're a Saints fan, you know that you've got two very good and very young offensive line or offensive linemen right in front of Drew Brees. You got Cesar Ruiz who will likely play one of the guard positions. Because then you got Eric McCoy at the center position. And then Andrews Pete, of course, just got that big contract. So the Saints just continue to really build from up front. They're going to have one of the better offensive lines, I think, uh, in the NFL this season. So really excited to to watch them. Then they had two picks in the third round. The first was Zach Bond, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. I can't believe Zach Bond. You know, there was talk that he was going to be a uh, a first round pick. You know, so was that diluted sample or whatever more of an issue than we thought it was going to be? Uh, but I thought the Saints came away with great value there, getting Bond just inside the top 75. He's going to be uh, a nice pass rusher for that defense. And then at 105, they went with Adam Troutman, the tight end, out of Dayton. And, uh, you know, Jared Cook, of course, is still there. But you give Troutman time to develop, 
And in, in that type of offense, I think Troutman can can be really productive for the Saints. Even as a rookie, I think you might see him sprinkled in a bit there uh, with some two tight end sets with a guy like Jared Cook. So really like that. And then, like I said before, they traded back into the seventh round to take Tommy Stevens, the quarterback out of Mississippi State, the former uh, Penn State quarterback. So now you effectively have like two two versions of uh, Taysom Hill. You've got the real Taysom Hill who just got that big contract and the guy, a quarterback that's similar to Taysom Hill in Tommy Stevens. Uh, but for all, only having four picks, uh, those first three, I think are going to help a lot. So uh, you compare, you compare the saints now to the Panthers. I mean, there's still quite the gap um, the, for the saints. This was just about kind of adding pieces to again, kind of, get that one last shot with this uh, with this championship window. So the Panthers still have a, a good ways to go to catch up to the Saints, and I think they still have a little bit to go to catch up to the Atlanta Falcons. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, again, I think are well ahead right now than the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I think, you know, realistically, we have to, we obviously have to sit here and say, that and I, I think everybody knows this at this point, but the Carolina Panthers are the worst team in the NFC South. Um, but when you look at the Buccaneers draft class, um, I thought they did a real nice job of basically just getting weapons for Tom Brady. You know, this is them starting to go all in now that they've got Tom Brady, now that they have uh, Rob Gronkowski. We knew, of course, they wanted to get an offensive tackle to protect Brady, and that's what they did in the first round with Tristan Wirfs. Uh, then they come back in the second round and get Antoine Winfield, uh, the safety we talked about a bit, the very versatile safety. They get him at 45, which I thought was pretty good value. Uh, so I think he's going to be a real nice addition to that defense. Uh, they actually drafted two running backs uh, in this class. First one came in round three at number 76 overall going with Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, who's a, a good pass-catching back, and uh, the Pan or the Buccaneers did lose Peyton Barber, who's now with the Redskins. And then, um, you know, you still have the other running back there in Ronald Jones. But Keyshawn Vaughn, like I said, pretty good pass-catcher out of Vanderbilt there, so I think he'll be uh, a nice addition to that offense. And then the other running back they took was in the seventh round, number 245 overall, Raymond Calais out of Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, but probably one of my favorite picks, not just from the Buccaneers, but of the entire draft class, uh, the entire league, rather, was Tyler Johnson, the, uh, the, the speedy, the excellent receiver out of Minnesota. They get him in the fifth round at number 161 overall. So now you're looking at the Buccaneers' offense, and you're looking at uh, a three-wide receiver set of Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Tyler Johnson. I mean, there's not many there's not many teams that are going to boast a better duo than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and especially with a quarterback like Tom Brady throwing him the football. Even if Tom Brady uh, continues to decline, you've got three really good wide receivers and. Quick note for the 2021 draft, since everybody's already talking about it. Uh, if you were a fan of Tyler Johnson, he might not have even been the the best wide receiver prospect uh, on that team. You're looking at a guy like Rashad Bateman, who's going to come out next year. 
who might be even better. He might even be a first-round pick next year. So keep a close eye on uh, on Rashad Bateman. Uh, but they get Tyler Johnson in the fifth round. Uh, they got Khalil Davis, the Nebraska defensive tackle, in round six. And then round seven, uh, linebacker Chappelle Russell out of Temple. And then again, they rounded out with Raymond Calais, the running back at Louisiana Lafayette. So the Panthers, after after all these draft picks, like I said, it's easy to consider them uh, the worst team. You know, the Buccaneers are going all in. And I think they're gonna they're gonna win a bunch of games. The Saints are the Saints. You know, there's not much we have to talk about there. And then the Falcons just continue to be on the rise. Uh, like like we said, the they really had to focus on defense because if uh, if Dan Quinn doesn't get it done this year, then I think he's done. But I think we're okay with the fact that the Panthers are going to be the worst team in this division because again, we weren't expecting them to do much of anything in 2020. We knew. This uh, is the start of a multi-year rebuild. And if they are able to get a high draft pick next year, that's going to be great again because there's a lot of good talent coming in uh, next year's draft class. You know, you look at uh, the poss- if, they're, if they're drafting high enough. I mean, obviously it starts with Trevor Lawrence. And if the Panthers somehow end up with the number one pick in the draft, then there's your quarterback of the future in Trevor Lawrence. Or they could be in a position to get Justin Fields as their quarterback if they don't get the number one pick. Or if they don't decide to go with quarterback, you know, they could, uh, there, there's a lot of talent at some of the other positions right now. You know, maybe they get in the position where uh, Jamar Chase, uh, the receiver out of LSU, that he becomes an option. And then. You know, with Joe Brady as offensive coordinator there to be able to get his buddy back in Jamar Chase would be a big time boost uh, to this offense. You know, maybe they continue to add to the pass rush. You know, you can never have enough pass rushers, and if they're high enough, maybe a guy like Miami's Greg Rousseau, who's just a beast right now. He had a breakout season last year. Uh, this is actually a converted, converted tight end, I believe, who's put on about thirty pounds. And uh, he, like I said, he broke out. He had uh, about 15 or so sacks, I think, in 2000, uh, 2019. Actually, there's two edge guys or two defensive linemen uh, coming out of Miami that both look really good. So you got those guys on the radar. Um, even after Jamar Chase, a wide receiver, there's a, a lot of talent at the top. Uh, Alabama, of course, is going to have two guys that are coming out again and you know, it's going to be two years in a row. I think that Alabama is going to have two first-round wide receivers because you're going to have Jalen Waddell and you're going to have Devontae Smith. We talked about uh, Minnesota. We talked about uh, the wide receiver Rashad Bateman coming out of there. You've got uh, guys like, and these some of these guys might not even be first-round picks, but it's just going to kind of already show the depth of the receiver position if the Panthers want to go in that direction. But you've got Tylon Wallace of Oklahoma State. You've got uh, Rondale Moore out of Purdue. There's there's going to be a lot of good wide receivers uh, in next year's class. And again, we touched on some of the top edge guys. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of talent that the Panthers are going to be able to pick from because, again, I, I think we can probably expect them to be maybe picking in the top 10 again in next year's draft. So they're going to have... Uh, a lot of a lot of options, and um, you know, right now I th- I think they still just have their 
seven original picks, but uh, wouldn't surprise me if they try to get some more capital. We'll see what happens, but you know, so that's kind of those are just kind of early thoughts where the Panthers kind of stand uh, as far as 2020 and a uh, very early look ahead to the uh, to the 2021 draft cycle. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, but with that, I think we're going to shut it down. So like I said, we got a chance to look at the other draft classes in the NFC South. Um, if I had to guess right now, I would still say the Saints are the favorite, but... The Buccaneers are obviously going to be a contender now with with all that talent, and especially now with the extra wild card that's now going to be available. So, lot lot of interesting storylines uh, in this NFC South. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun few months leading up to the start of the season, kind of uh, breaking it down and trying to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, but with that, I'm going to get out of here. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, it's, al- it's always a blast to come on and, and talk to you guys. Uh, as always, follow me on Twitter, of course, at Bill underscore Rossetti and uh, podcast, uh, streaming, wherever, basically wherever you listen to, <laughs> we're there. Uh, so with that, I'm going to take off. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And we'll see you next time right here on LOP. Until then, take care, my friends. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.